If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Jeff Cameron Show, Balls Big Wednesday. How are you? I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew is here. Let's go through each and every one of these guys. Yeah, Alex is kicking ass. All right. Okay. Let me answer Rick here. He says, BS, Jeff. Out of all the coaches, y'all used Ron as the scapegoat. Would you have let your son sign with FSU two years ago? Hell no. I don't know if I would have or wouldn't have, depending on how good he was. Um, but certainly it's not true that we used Ron as a scapegoat. I uh, seem to remember lobbying to get rid of a certain secondary coach successfully, finally. I won that one over. Um, and I also remember uh, noting any number of uh, guys that I've been concerned about, but the, the staff itself is pretty solid. Not an elite recruiting group, but... Lest we forget, regardless of uh, the way you view that, a couple years ago, Florida State had the worst receiving core in the ACC. I don't know what to tell you. They were awful. Can I just say, rather than a staircase, I would like an escape goat. I would like one of those. <laughs> I know that's not what Rick intended. Instead of a intended, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think an escape goat would be a really cool goat. <laughs> like, you need to get out of here? Uh, the goat's got you. He's the escape goat. <laughs> I'm glad Ron's turned it around, though. I know that. Yeah. We were worried about it. We expressed that several times, saying that that sucks. You don't want to fire a guy who's beloved and um, and who was a really good player and is an old and all that. Yeah, you saw this weekend amongst the official visitors was Elijah Moore, kid from mm-hmm. the DMV mm-hmm. area. Was a If you looked at On Three's recruiting prediction machine, the old RPM, it had Ohio State at 95-plus percent, and now Florida State has completely flipped that. Now we're in the 90-plus percentile. If that kid is half as talented as he is affable, 
because he's got the size and the profile. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The measurables are there. But in terms of the interviews from this weekend, Elijah Moore, okay. That is a guy that you want in your receiver room. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. There are certain guys you root for because of that, right? Um, one of the things, though, that I have thought from the get-go, given Mike Norvell's background, like, listen, you should always it, – it doesn't look good on Mike if the receivers aren't good. So regardless of – and I think everybody was frustrated. Everybody on that staff was frustrated by that situation. Uh, uh, Ron didn't get a raise that last year. No, they spoke uh, on. They spoke for themselves. Everybody got a raise. That's right. He did not get a raise. Uh, so obviously there were concerns about what wasn't happening. Now, regardless, it's gotten flipped, and we celebrate the hell of that out of the, the hell out of that. Um, you can you can go. <laughs> I, I'm currently. A little concerned about the defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller. I've said that repeatedly. I'm rooting for him. I want him to get it turned around. I'd like to see him recruit at a really high level. I'd like to see a connection between he and kids. Ultimately, you want your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, to be really good recruiters if you can, obviously, because they're coordinating the entirety of a group, right? So, But short of that, if you don't, if you just have an elite X's and O's guy, then you better have the next guy down on that staff or that, you know, have a, an elite guy in a, as a segment group. Um you know, but they don't necessarily have that, so you do worry about it. Yeah, I like it to be sort of uh, it, it's like an inverse ratio. The more specialized you are as a position coach, the more specialty you should have in recruiting. The more the more skin in the game you should have and connections you should have, because a coordinator can't spend as much time on the trail going across different segments of the country, you know, in order to make sure that each individual kid is is up to speed and ready to go. But the position coach, the area recruiters can. You know, mm-hmm. so if you're a running backs coach or a defensive backs coach, or you, you get what I mean, as you climb up that ladder, it's great to have a good recruiter as a head coach, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a huge but asset. Yeah, you can't spend as much time. The more responsibility you have, the less time you could spend with kids. So I, I'm okay with a coordinator being less of a badass on the trail. Like Mark Stoops was okay, he wasn't bad, but Eddie Grand was way better, and DJ Elliott was way better, and James Coley in that Jimbo 1.0 staff. And they made it all work. And it the funny part about that, yeah, and the funny part about that, a guy like Coley, we didn't think much of as a coach, and it never felt like Jimbo did either. He was only around because he could yep. recruit. That, yep. that was why he was there. Some guys are kind of known as that. If you're not that, you better be able to coach your ass off, and you better see real improvement from players. So if you're an average player and you improve greatly because of what it is you're being taught, then that shines on that coach. Everybody can see that. Um it doesn't take much if you bring in a bunch of six five kids run four four. You, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna look great, but it's harder to tell your coaching acumen at that point because you've got the talent to do that. Where we really notice coaching is when people do more with less. Now, I will tell you if you are a running backs coach, well, you damn well better be a good recruiter because you're not really doing a thing. Every really good running back arrived at the place that they went on to be a really good running back for with the ability to run. They were all really good. Like Jimbo and them weren't teaching Dalvin a damn thing. Teach him how to sit on the bench for <laughs> <I> Mario mean, <laughs> Pender. <laughs> See? I mean that that's ridiculous, right? Like those guys But that was Eddie Grant in the beginning, and Eddie was a killer. Oh my goodness. But I mean, that's you. Most running backs, most elite running backs, they're coming to you with a little something, something. You're not like, you know what? I really think you're going to go to have a thousand yard season here. If you, I'm going to unlock it right here. Watch what I do with my foot. 
No, man. That's not happening. You can develop dude, guys. Dude, that are dude the can run. You yes. can teach guys to be more patient, and you can or teach decisive. them how to run within the scheme. You can tell them that you can't bounce everything outside like you did in high school. You can do all of those things. But man, if you're a badass running back, you were a badass running back when you got here. You might oh. have had to be pointed in the right direction a couple times. But other than that, that dude is there to be a recruiter. This is forever ago now, but you know, the more I cover college football, the more absurd this is. And it felt it that way. But the first time I, I interviewed, and it was the whole media, it was Lonnie Pryor. My and, man. And That's so my guy. We were talking about how when Jimbo took over as the head coach, what's different now? And he says, well, the important thing is now we have meetings where we coordinate with the offensive line coach so we know what the blocking scheme in front of us is so we know where to run. Mm. Mm. And the whole room was silent. Oh, it was devastating. Wait a minute. So that you, hasn't been going on? As running backs, did not know what was going on in front of you? The way the play was designed? Where your eyes were supposed to be? You didn't know any of that. Dear God, now I know why we were a six-loss team or a five-loss team perennially. Yeah, and I, I, it's, that was so frustrating. And when you're, when you're at practice and you're watching things like that and you're thinking to yourself, I mean, this can't be real. This can't – you know, players know that. Players know what – and more importantly, other coaches and staff members know when things are broken like that. We've heard from that. Um, you know, we, we've heard people on the inside, let's put it that way, when things were broken, talk about how frustrating it was. Because if you're, you know, I, I'm using the example as a running backs coach, but it could be anybody. It could be a defensive ends coach, a wide receiver coach, whatever. You're not the head coach. And you're watching the head coach do something that you know isn't resonating, isn't helping, isn't, you know, you got, you got to be careful. What, what can you really do? I mean, you're just going to go rogue and decide to do something completely different from what they're, what they want you to do. You can't, it's frustrating. Um, one thing's for sure. There are recruiters that are known as such. They are elite and they can recruit their ass up and they do from day one, no matter what they go to a program, that program is in shambles they, uh, the, 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 whatever segment group you want to talk about is a mess that they coach and they get there and they get guys and the people who cover recruiting will be like, Oh yeah, well, so-and-so is an assassin. This guy is an incredible recruiter. So-and-so is famous for this. He's going to get that group turned around. And then there are people who, like we said, uh, are really much more known for their expertise, their ability to coach it, to teach it and get kids to translate that. But what has to happen for them to be good in recruiting is for all of that to add up to a good season. I mean, the team eventually to get yeah. really elite classes, you're going to need to be good. You you can have one-offs. You can have surprises. There are every year there's a surprise where you're like, oh, how the hell are they at the ninth-ranked class? Yeah, I mean, it happens. And it's changing all the time with NIL. I understand that too. But for the most part, any sustained level of excellence or the ability to flip anything – is because something happens on the field in which people can buy into the vision. Yeah. They see people can see the big picture. Dudes are getting churned out and making money. You know? Ultimately, ultimately, and, and I do think this is fair. So let's bring it back. Rick, I'll, I'll readdress the, the Ron Dugans thing. Let's bring it back to this. Ultimately, I do think any recruiting failure, all right, here you go. I'll put it out there for you. Any recruiting failure. 
whether that is on the offensive side, the defensive side, we could sit here and talk about individual coaches all we want. It comes back to the head coach. If you're not getting good enough players to win football games, it's on you. It's on you. You have to decide, is it something you're not doing? Is it something he's not doing? Is it something that you can do better in? Can you go out and get somebody to help here? Or do you need to just replace this guy? Do you need to put your two cents in this situation? Whatever it is. Ultimately, the head coach needs to be the best recruiter. He has to be the difference maker. Now, there are head coaches that you say, well, wait a minute, Jeff. There are plenty of head coaches that are dry, that aren't elite recruiters. No, man, they're in charge of the program. They handpick the people to come in and work for them. They know who they are. If they have self-awareness, they know whether or not they're dynamic on the recruiting trail or not. And if they know that they're not, they better bring in some people that are. Right? Okay, so, and if they don't, and those guys fail to get you players, that's on you. You screwed it up, man. Either you got to be better, or they needed to be better, and you made a poor choice. It will always come back to the head coach. So any good or bad recruiting class ultimately is a reflection on the head coach. That's just the way it always works. Yeah, because, again, let's just say that this, and I'll put on the pessimist cap for a minute, I haven't very much, but let's say this recruiting class, this cycle, was not good. We don't like it. We're not happy with with it. You're not going to point fingers anywhere but at Mike first, and then you're going to say, make the change, coach, because I like you and you get so much of it right, but you're, it's the call for a change. It's not that you're blaming a position coach. You're saying, Mike, you may need to make an alteration You're saying this guy's not bringing in good enough right. players for us to win but at the level that make... we expect. Yeah, you yeah. have to make that change. Don't go down with the ship here. Jimbo yeah. looking at his offensive line coach forever yeah. not yeah. bringing in people and deciding to stick by him. At some point, it wasn't Rick. It's yeah. you, Jimbo. There it is. That was for we sat here and talked about that all the time. Like there would be days where I'd come in and say, Rick Trick is not getting it done with the offensive line. We are not getting it. Is he is he a good coach? Yes. Everybody knows Rick Trick can coach. Everybody knows that. Is can he coach an off? Yes, he can coach. We're not getting good players. Okay, so at first I come in and I say, All right, man, Rick, we gotta do better. I'm ripping Rick. Maybe I rip Rick for a year, two years. At some point I just say, Jimbo, what are we doing? What are we doing? You can't bring yourself to fire that guy? Well, then screw you because we don't have good enough players and we're going to lose games. Which is why he brought him to Texas A&M with him. Which he didn't. No, which he did not. And that goes for several guys where you're like, oh, you're not going to bring any of these guys with you, huh? I thought they were awesome coaches. I thought you took offense when we all questioned why it was certain people still had jobs on this staff. You ran to their, you know, to their side to tell everybody they were great coaches. Then when you went to go somewhere else, you didn't bring them. With unlimited resources. Yeah. You would think you'd give those guys raises as you bring as you brought them on the jet with you. I can't wait to pay you like you should have been paid. Florida State's poor as hell. I'm going to pay you. But none of them were yeah, on the none, jet, no, were they? None of them made the trip. No. no. Uh, there were a couple. But uh, listen, I'll get back to, to what I think is going to happen this year. Florida State's going to be a very good football team. A lot of this will be resolved because of that fact. Where we begin to go over it with a fine-tooth comb, the conversation changes. We know that. It's all relative to your expectations and what you think should happen based on the talent you have. I think Florida State should be, and most of us, I think, in Florida State land agree with this, a very, very good football team. They should be no worse than 10-2 and in the regular season. Unfortunately, let's be honest about it. If they go 10-2 and and their two losses are to LSU and Clemson, 
then you're going to, despite a 10-2 and two regular season, say, man, you only played two really good teams, and you lost to both of them. Yeah, it's a B-minus at best for the season. The reality is when you're good and you have some good teams on your schedule, you're going to have to win some of those games for uh, for the program to take the next step and to be elevated in the minds of the fans that you are – you know, prove you're an elite coach. You go from, can this guy get this turned around where we're winning some football games? To, all right, can this guy get this turned around to where we can compete for the conference title? To, can we win a national championship? You're always answering questions as a head coach. And you know what? When you win a national championship, there are more questions to, to be asked and answered. You, no, nobody who wins at an elite level runs from any of that. that like, they expect to win. They believe in what they're doing. They work as hard as you could possibly work to that end. And then they reach the top of the mountain and they win a championship. And then they're going to try to do it again because you know what? That's the ultimate reward. That's the ultimate prize for all that hard work and all that dedication and all that acumen and all the time you spent when you were a GA all the way through to get to that place. Hopefully the fire is still in your belly when you win one. For most of these guys, it is, right? Especially if they're young. If you're 68 years old, maybe it's a little bit different. Unless you're Nick Saban. But for most people, you know, you, you are. And you get through all that and you win and you're like, this is, this is where it's at. Now that's a new set of challenges. There's only one place to go when you're at the top and it's down. And everybody wants what you have. Everybody's gunning for you. And every Saturday you get everybody's best shot. It's their Super Bowl. All the cliches are true. All those things are real. Which is something that's going to happen to Florida State more this year. Yeah, it hasn't happened to Florida State in a long time. Yeah, But it's okay to ask those questions of those coaches and to be constantly assessing that. That's not like unappreciative. That's not spoiled. That's the reality. When somebody gets paid $8 million, they're held accountable. You know, when when people got mad at me when I was beginning to criticize Bobby Bowden, when their evidence was that this was beginning to decline – at some point, I said, listen, guys, this is, it may sound personal. It's not. I'm, I'm, I'm young, and I'm, I'm adamant, and I want to see us win. But he's not a volunteer. So this is not attacking some guy who's volunteering his time. He, was made, he made millions of dollars. That's Fast forward to where we are now, where these coaches are getting paid seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve million dollars. $12 million. You're an Alabama fan. Nick Saban has won – more than anybody has a right to. It's insane what they've won. Alabama, we're, when you and I are old and gray, I doubt we're going to see a run like this. And we're going to be like, man, I ain't nobody was like Nick Saban. Good no. God, that some bitch won every year. And if he didn't, it was like they were 11-1 and one or 10-2. and two. I don't know that I'm going to live to see a time again at this point where Alabama and Ohio State are both bad. Uh, it, it just every year, they're the standard, right? Yep. It's very frustrating. Yep. It's very frustrating. And the point is, Alabama fans think that uh, last year was disappointing. Couldn't get stops. They were embarrassed by their defense. That's You've got, correct. Yeah, you got the damn best quarterback in the draft, or certainly one of, and, you, I mean, here we are. Two losses, and, you know, you're a couple of plays away from four. That's not crazy to say. You're a couple of plays away from four losses. If Texas quarterback doesn't go down early in the season – Early in that game, yeah. they were going to throw for 350, 400 yards. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, but it's a fun thing. I think you have to enter into all of that. Like, if you're Kirby Smart right now, look, man, he's won back-to-back national championships. Nobody in college football has won back-to-back-to-back national championships. So he's trying to do something that's never been done. 
And the odds suggest they're not going to. They might, but the odds suggest that they're not going to win the national championship this year. And when they don't, will people be mad? No. But you know what it will be? Disappointing. It'll be disappointing. You're used to winning the national championship. Now you didn't. That's a little disappointing. Not something you dwell on. Go ahead and don't win it again the following year. Right, right. Go ahead and don't win it again the following year. Every year further removed we get from the last one is a year in which, no, you're not unfairly persecuted for these expectations, but rather the question is being asked, can you sustain excellence? Can you ever be great again? Or did you catch lightning in a bottle and now the fire is gone and we need to move on or think about it? That's how quick it happens. Yeah, what are instances that when the season is over, you stand and you cheer as the clock hits triple zeros? You know, it's the climb up yes. when the season's over. It's when over. a team surpasses expectations. Yep. Yes. It's when you win a championship. And then honestly, as long as you don't fall flat on your face, it's the next year after a championship when the season's over. Even if you don't win it, all right, boys. Wait, I mean, that's a great defense. You know, it was a great effort to defend the title. Good stuff. But beyond those three circumstances, it, it doesn't happen. No. Now, we've had one of those under Mike, which is surpassing expectations. You beat Oklahoma in the bowl game. Okay. Now, this year. It's a very different feeling. You got to make the playoff before oh, you can man. get there. I think Mike loves this. I don't think this is, you know, for, for everybody listening, like, I don't think that Mike Norvell is sitting around worried that we have these huge expectations or that Florida State is being written about as a top 10 team, top 5 team in many publications. I don't think he's worried or his staff is worried or the players are worried in any way about the heightened expectations of a fan base that is starved for a conference championship at the very least. No, he shouldn't be. He ought to be like, yes, Yes, I wanted this when we were sucking. I wanted this when we won three games. I wanted this when we won five games. I was really getting concerned I wasn't going to get the chance to get to this place where the expectations could be this high. Oh, he's ready for it. I mean, just look at the difference. We have such a great example in our history as Florida State fans, 13 and 14. It's the difference between being hungry and fat and spoiled. 13, you're hungry. 14, you are fat and spoiled. And you could see the difference from the word Go. And they still went 12 and 0. And they that's how talented they were. That's even right. when they were that's fat right. and they were spoiled. It's so hard in college, man. It's hard in the NFL too. I mean, I think sometimes when you watch these teams that win a Super Bowl and then they come back and go on a deep run, let's say, and very seldom do you ever see somebody go back to the Super Bowl. Sometimes they do though. Obviously, we've seen that. You still see a lethargy. You still see like in the first 8 games of the season because in the NFL, you can lose 4 of them. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. You can oh. win the Super Bowl as a wild card. So and you can win on the road. People win on the road all the time now. It's not a big deal to go win on the road. So they'll go through the motions. Camp, they're just kind of getting their body back. It's tough. They played more games than anybody else did last year, save for one team. So you end up sort of watching teams go through it. The Lightning just did it. When you go to back-to-back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals and you win two of them, man, it's not shocking. You're playing a little slow the following right. year. Yeah, I, Just get us to the playoffs is the message instead yes. of, you know, we want to – Yeah, we kind of need to win this one tonight, guys, because we're slipping. We've lost five straight. We're right. falling in the standings. Right. So let's go get this one. And that's going to happen here soon in college football as the playoff expands. Yes, you're to see 12 it. teams. Yes, To a degree, it already can. If you're in the SEC or you're Ohio State, you get a freebie before the season starts. You just do. Yeah. So if Georgia lost to Mizzou, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Oh, no, Georgia's not going to the playoff. That wouldn't have been the story. It would have been massive upset. That would have been a tough loss. That yeah. They and don't they, have any strikes left would be the talking point, but they're not out of it. No, they're not out of it. Yet. Now, if we lost to the equivalent of Mizzou this year, I don't know. <laughs> that might be it. Uh, yes. You would have to have well, beaten you Clemson had LSU. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and we don't know, for example, uh we, we just don't know if um I don't you know, how good is Miami gonna be this year? We think they're gonna be bad. Do they have personnel to be better than we think they'll be? Uh, yeah. I mean they're not 
They're not devoid of talent. No. It's a They've weak got more league. in the trenches, I think, than Florida does because of what Florida lost year yeah. over year. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. Maybe they'll be better than we expect them to be. Now, they have to play up here, and I'd like to think we're going to go ahead and take care of business. But, uh, you know, Florida, we play on the road. And if they happen to be better than we expect, listen, that team last year came in here, and it wasn't just that – Unfortunately, we got the good Anthony Richardson. They also ran the ball down our throat. They, they did. did anything they wanted on the ground. Yep. Go look at those rushing numbers. They pushed us all over the field. It was humiliating. They reset the line of scrimmage. Uh, over and over and over, over again. If Jordan hadn't been superhuman in the second half, we lose. They won both trenches, actually. Yeah, they did. they did. They did. They did. I don't know how we won the damn game. It's crazy. One man. One guy. Just running around crazy making plays. Which is amazing because now you've surrounded him with all these other things. Right. Right. So... You shouldn't have to do it that way this year. You are better in the trenches this year, both sides of the line of scrimmage, than you were. But my point would be there's always a surprise team. We say that every year. There's always a team that you don't really know. Hey, look, Elko's got Duke playing. If you just don't pay attention to them because you're thinking of all these other games, and they come in and they play physical and smart, and all of a sudden it's a game in the fourth quarter, all the pressure's on you. Yeah, I, I don't know how you don't pay attention to Duke because the surrounding games are two weeks prior bye week. Virginia Tech precedes them, and then Syracuse after them. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. No, no, but you, but, uh, you know the point I'm making. I know the point you're yeah, making. They won nine games. If you're looking at a four week stretch, who has your attention? It's got to be Duke, which is wild to say. It is ever about football, but it's uh, there'll be a surprise team. It could be Pitt. I don't know how surprising that would be. They've been a good program. Um, they could be good, and then you know. The rivalry games are the rivalry games. I know we took care of business in Miami, 45-3. to I doubt it looks like that this year, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's late enough in the year that maybe they will have quit. Uh, your degree of difficulty should be 1-2, and we both know the teams. They both call their homes Death Valley. Mm-hmm. That should be as about as unsurprising as the deliciousness of a Zaxby's chicken sandwich. <laughs> <I would> say. <laughs> Tom looked up and was like, man, we've been talking for 30 minutes, Cameron. Can you please tell everybody how delicious Zaxby's is? I can. It's delicious. You should ponder all the many questions we just asked and attempted to answer over a thick-ass Zaxby's chicken sandwich. What did the five fingers say to the plate? (laughs) Zax! Split-top bun, thick-cut pickles, spicy Zax sauce, and then get you a platter on your way out the door so you can feed the family. Try the torchy. Try the torchy You're sauce. big on the torchy, aren't you? Right. I haven't tried the I torchy. I like the torchy. <laughs> oh, it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Orchard TV. I just happened to check Twitter during the break, and I see a story that folks have sent me that I'm going to have to vet before I tackle. I can't go down this road if it's not true. I want to make sure that it's accurate before I ever, and even then i got to think how I'm going to do it. I can find a way. <laughs> but I just laughed that enough people or a few people thought, Cameron will love this. It has to do with an orangutan. And that's all I'll say. And I will <laughs> I see Director Matthew laughing at this. I Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm going to read. I'm going to do some no. research. Yeah. I, I, I get, know. Let's find out. Let's find out. No, sir. Because, <laughs> that's tough. If that's true. 
<laughs> no, man. We are not touching that well, one. Well, not yet. It's still 2 nothing between the Braves and the Twins. There we go. That's in the eighth. First time I said, <laughs> there we go, with the Braves leading in my life. Um. Yeah, but I just thought immediately it was less me laughing about that and more me laughing about somebody going, Cameron's going to love this. Let me send this to him. There have been a few lately that I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't asked. I wish I didn't, you know, I didn't have an expertise in this topic. People are sending me things that I don't like. Remember yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, when we were talking about the evidence of uh, the money and what it's done for the SEC and the Big Ten and how you can't afford the reason that we wring our hands all the time and have the tired conversation about how soon we're going to be able to get out of here or not. Well, I read something. It's not that I didn't know it, but sometimes you just need to see it in print. You just need to look at it and kind of you're thinking, man, I was bringing up, I think on headlines, that a different SEC team has won the national championship in baseball each of the last five years. So it's not just that the SEC won the title again this year. It's that it's been a different SEC team five years in a row. If you want an example of depth and dominance, just have five different bitches in your conference win the title. That's insane. I mean, imagine in football if Florida State won it, then Clemson won it, then Miami. Well, we don't want to do that. But North Carolina won it, followed by Florida State. I know five different. So we got to go – Louisville somehow won it, and then yeah. uh, North you know, whoever I didn't Wake. see Wake wins it. Yeah, which is not going to happen. I mean, but that's just insane, right? The whole rest of the country would be like, "What is going? This is ridiculous." Every year, another ACC team, right? But because it's baseball, we're just like, "Well, whatever." We're not exactly like, "Well, whatever," but it is no, frustrating. Uh, well, look, man, we're just trying to fix the damn Wi-Fi around the stadium. That's what we're trying to do first. Okay. Yeah. Can we fix the Wi-Fi? <laughs> on a game day. Can we do it? It cannot be $10 million. Can't right. be. Yeah. I, I got to get it fixed. I agree with you. But Sweet God. I would rather have that for the fans. Now, we should have a vote. Which would you have them fix first? The ridiculous mosh pits of death that you've got to navigate to get in the stadium or the Wi-Fi? What would you want fixed first? Because come on, man. That can't be SEC money expensive versus what we have. Can't be. I don't ever worry about the Wi-Fi all that much. Now, I'm in a situation where I'm often in the press box or, you know, I'm not sitting in the stands trying to check my gambling results. You know, like if I were, that'd be frustrating. Well, you've got a four and a half minute TV timeout for the 6-3 play. Maybe you could watch another game while you're waiting. But on the heels of my SEC discussion with baseball, It'll have been five years since Clemson beat Alabama to close the 2018 season. Since then, three different SEC schools have claimed four national titles. What is this, the Trey Benson look? Uh, Women's hoops, two of the last three, SEC. South Carolina took down UConn and LSU beat, was it Iowa? Sounds right. I think that's a Caitlin Clark team that everybody talked about. I think that was it, right? Yeah, probably. Um, so, basically, if you want to do this, you want to say, since 2020 started, Alabama, 
Mississippi State, Georgia football. I'm going Alabama football, Mississippi State baseball, Georgia football, South Carolina women's basketball, Ole Miss baseball, Georgia football, LSU women's basketball, LSU baseball. That's from 2020 to 2023. It's impossible not to go, okay, this this is not good. Mash the red button. We got to go. You have very rare exceptions. Pac-12, 2021, women's basketball, Stanford. UConn in the Big East wins in basketball. And, of course, basketball is the one sport the SEC hasn't been able to corner and dominate because of Kansas or something. You know what I mean? So... When I went down the list and just started 2020, 2021, that's SEC, 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 SEC. I'm like, man, these are the revenue sports, the football, the baseball, the basketball. It's not cool. It keeps on churning. And it's only going to get worse. So I guess why I bring this up is not to depress you, but rather to say it's not just that we expect you to have a great season this year. You have to. You have to be good. You have to remain relevant and elite. You have to be good, 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 good. And it can't just be this year. You got to be great again the following year. Everybody thinks we're going to take this huge leap backwards. We're going to take this huge step backwards in 2024. Nope, can't do it. Better go get some kids. Can't do it. Got to stay way up here. You got to kick the door down. You got to get out. You got to force your hand. Only then will the Wi-Fi be repaired. The James B in the chat says by 2025, great, 15 years late. Now, it's not Michael Alford's problem that it took this long, but I recall going and covering the Sean Powell game. That was 2011. <laughs> 2011. The and Sean I, Powell game is the we best. We got there, and I said, what is this Wi-Fi? This is unbelievable. I was in my 20s. Come on, folks. Yeah, no. It shouldn't be, why does it need to take till 2025 to fix Wi-Fi. There's lots of things to scream about. I was just focusing on the need to once again get out of this conference. But I, I will I will say can't get out of the conference until you fix the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the paint on the scoreboard. Well You I, decry you fix the paint. I did. It's about due for a new coat. It sure is. I mean, good God, doesn't last long. Paint must suck. I swear to God, people paint something within a year, you gotta paint it again. <laughs> Ridiculous. What kind of paint are we making out here? Let's go. I, I, I thought that the other day when we were over there. I was like, what are we doing with this? This is ridiculous. Can't have lead in it anymore. You know, the good old days. <laughs> you got to get to the toxic lead. paint back again where oh. we can have something that lasts. It lasts 15 years. Let's go. When people are too scared. I'm going to walk into Lowe's and be like, oh, I'll take a can of that sorry ass paint. Paint. I know by definition it is. I'll see you again a year from now. You know, the paint people are like the, uh, the iPhone people, aren't they? No. These things are designed to break in a couple years. It's washers and dryers, man. It's the same thing. It's washers and dryers. Planned obsolescence. That's what that's called. That's what they do. Refrigerators. You're wearing it. That's what you get. Life wallet. You know? <laughs> no, Dad. We're using Mountain West paint. We need some SEC caliber paint. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of uh, an Isbell song. It's actually a drive-by trucker song. So, a scapegoat. Somebody said is a good band name. The washers and dryers is also an excellent. Washers and dryers. Broken. 
That's the name of the first record. <laughs> Spin. <laughs> Spin cycle. <laughs> We're washers and dryers. Is off our first record, Broken. That'd be great. Frustrating. That is, it's not as frustrating as feeling like there's a good chance you're going to die waiting to get into the stadium. I'm Ron Kenmore. This is LG Whirlpool, and we are washers and dryers. There's nothing worse than standing in that line for 40 minutes. Drunken debauchery, shoulder to shoulder, nobody can move. And you're thinking, okay, it takes one lunatic, and we are fish in a barrel. Can't move. And why? No other stadium that I go to is it this hard to get into the GD game. What do y'all want to hear tonight? (laughs) Tumble dry low. Tumble dry low. We weren't going to play that one. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Power Mill Training Academy, equipping and motivating athletes focused on baseball, softball, with the specific tools to reach their true potential. 45 years of experience. Don't forget, for Power Mill sports customers, campers, you name it, uh, you're getting better at baseball, softball. They do have camps, speaking of which, youth camps, a lot of fun and instruction, teaching the fundamental skills such as hitting, throwing, fielding, all the things you're going to need to have a better year. And that is true for softball. That is true for baseball programs for every caliber of players. So, you know, if your kid's just starting out, just learning the fundamentals, they got it. If they are an elite player who someday dream of playing in college or the professional ranks, there are 27 alumni in the majors coming out of Power Mill, 2,000-plus alumni in general out of Power Mill. So it's worth checking out. If you want to learn more, go to PowerMillSports.com. If you would, Tom, time to cue it up. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Hey, before I get to that, I want to... Where was this? Yes, here it was. Um, Every every night, Shohei Itani does something that uh, you go, oh, really, that's cool. Pitched six and a third last night, gave up four hits, one run, struck out ten, also hit two 400-plus foot home runs. What was it, six times that's been done since 1893? It's just silly. I think they actually won this time. Normally he does all these things and they lose. I believe that feat has not been accomplished by anybody other than Otani since the 50s? Yeah. It's, the late 50s? Yeah. Um, people, I, I immediately assumed Babe Ruth was on that list. If you go back and look, Tom, and I did do some research on this, it was very rare in Babe Ruth's career that he pitched and play and hit. Most of the time, he didn't when he pitched. Yeah, the better example of slugging power and ops by today's measure is Walter Johnson in the 20s, a pitcher who dominates and then who rakes. But that was, you know, very limited. But Walter Johnson had an ops of over 1,000 for, I think, in 1924 or 1925. The one great regret is that Dave Winfield was never given the opportunity to be a dominant pitcher and hitter. Winfield, in the College World Series, struck out 10 on the mound. He was an elite pitcher, but when he got to the league, he was just such a valuable player in the outfield that they let just let him hit and play outfield. He was also a guy who got drafted in the NBA. I mean, he was that's an athlete. Dave Winfield wasn't having it. 
But you can go back and find absurd things right now about Shohei, which, once again, you'd say, uh, I don't know, that's never really been done before, ever, by anybody. Probables for today. I know the Braves just won. Did they not? They did. 3-0, huh? Nationals, Mariners, Patrick Corbin, Logan Gilbert, Reds, Orioles, Luke Weaver back at it. Kyle Gibson goes for the Orioles. Mitch Keller going to go on the... uh, Not just screwing Mitch Keller. Thank you. Mound for the Pirates, who beat the Padres' ass last night. Blake Snell will pitch for the Padres. He's been a strikeout machine lately. He'll get opportunities galore against the Pirates lineup. Giants, Blue Jays, Logan Webb, TBD. Marlins, Red Sox, who are spanking the Red Sox these days. Raxton Garrett goes for the Marlins, TBD for the Red Sox. Brewers, Mets. Hey, you beat the Brewers last night. Yeah, won a ball game. Wade Miley and Senga. Senga-san. Stroh's Cardinals. He's been your best pitcher. Yes. Uh, Stroh's Cardinals, Christian Javier. The only pitcher who's doing as he should have, which is you struggle at times as you get used to Major League Baseball, but you still have a sub-4 ERA. Yeah, he's been good. Everybody else not doing what they're supposed to do. No. Falling down on the job. Astros, Cardinals, Christian Javier, Miles Mikulis. Yes. Okay. Wow, dry. Yeah, hey now. Tigers, Rangers, Joey Wentz, Dane Dunning. We've got the Phillies and the Cubs, Aaron Nola. Drew Smiley, Guardians, Royals, Logan Allen, Austin Cox. <laughs> Dodgers, Rockies, TBD, Kyle Freeland. White Sox, Angels, Lucas Giolito. Jaime Barrera. Or Barrera. Rays, D-backs, Zach Eflin, and Zach Davies. The Zachs are on the hill. Yankees, A's. A's beat the Yankees last night. 2-1. to one. Yankees struggling to score. Hmm. Domingo Herman goes for the Yankees. J.P. Sears goes for the A's. And I already mentioned that the uh, Braves beat the Twins this afternoon. Colby Howard was the starter. Kentameda was the starter for the Twins. And that is a look at those that shall reside out of the bump. Boy, going to be a lot of pleasant conversations about baseball up in New York next week. going to be a lot of happy bar goers watching the ball games. I do think Back to the Otani discussion here for 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 a second. I think what he's done, and now you see that kid at Florida, and then there's been talk about how in Japan there are guys, there are more guys like this, not not like Shohei, but other players that do this. We are going to end a century plus old streak of antiquated ways of thinking. I've never understood because listen, I love baseball, and I think it's really hard, like incredibly hard to hit a baseball. Probably the hardest thing to do in sport, as they say. But it ain't hard to play baseball. Meaning, like, to stand in right field? Not all not that hard. taxing. Not yeah. all that hard. It's not hard to stand at second. You got to make a play. You got to make a play. And the play you have to make may be difficult, but you ain't making them, like, 10 in 10 seconds. You're going to be standing around doing a whole lot of nothing for long stretches at a time. This is also why I think Otani is better suited for the modern time with the pitch clock. Because he's in regular shape. A lot of the pitchers around baseball this year are complaining about potential injuries. They're losing their wind. Because you could be CC Sabathia. Didn't matter. You could take your time. If you needed yeah. a little breather, you yeah. could walk your off the mound. fat ass could get your breath. Tap the rosin bag around. Like, whatever you needed to do. They'd give you a minute. You want a minute? You got it. <laughs> but ridiculous. not anymore. No. And so an athlete like a Shohei Otani, a true athlete. A freak of an elite athlete. Elite athlete is more suited for this rapid pace. He's in better shape. 
And uh, currently that uh, leads the American League in homers, RBI, slugging, OPS, total bases. He also leads the American League in fewest hits per nine innings, strikeouts per nine innings, hit by pitches, wild pitches. If you're scoring at home, by the way, he's probably the league MVP right now. If you only consider his hitting, he's not quite the Cy Young Award winner right now, but he's close. So (laughs) that is crazy. That's nuts. There's nobody else like this. No. No, this is a total unicorn. And leave it to, uh, this is uh, not news, but leave it to the Angels to have two of the best players in the last 50 years and do nothing with them. Maybe this year will be different, but my God, come on now. I got to get, yeah. How much time do we have? Do I have time to read this? Yeah, you got a minute and a half. I like this. This is kind of interesting to think about. I saw this. Joe Pesnansky wrote it. I think I saw this the other day. And... I just like, that guy's really, really good on baseball. If you don't read his stuff, you you should. Quoting from his article, I was thinking about something. The widely acknowledged GOAT in every North American team sport is, well, North American. In football, whether you go with Tom Brady or Jerry Rice or Jim Brown or Walter Payton or Lawrence Taylor or Reggie White or whoever else you want to talk about, they're all American. In basketball, whether you want to go with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, whoever the hell else you want, they're all American. In hockey, whether you go with Gretzky or Gretzky or Gretzky or Gretzky, he's Canadian. So is Connor McDavid as we begin to look forward. <laughs> I know you got it, but and in baseball, you've seen, you know, baseball 100. Everybody in the top 10 is from the United States, but the world's changing. And here is the perfect example: Shohei Itani, if he does this for 10 more years, could uh, go down as the greatest player in baseball history, and he's decidedly not American. No debate. That's <laughs> he's decidedly not American. <laughs> no, I didn't say American. Not American is what I said. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, we're watching the world change before our eyes. It's interesting to watch all the different leagues. I mean, think about a guy like Luca. You can watch the recruiting chat tonight at 6 p.m. on War Chant that's TV. That's right. Michael Langston is an American. Good job out of you. Good job out of you. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.